Well, praise God for this morning. Um, we have Father's Day. And um, uh, so thanks for joining us this morning. Um, I trust and pray that the Lord will minister to your heart in a very, very special way, just like a, the Father's knowledge and the Father's love to speak to your heart far greater, far greater than I could ever talk, and far greater than I could ever speak to you. I pray that's, uh, that's your blessing this morning. And this morning I want to I wanna share with you um, some thoughts just for our dads that are with us this morning. I want to share with you briefly some thoughts about fathers, but then I want to share with you from the Word of God um, some thoughts about our Heavenly Father. So I, I, like to, I like to take the opportunity on Father's Day to do that, um, and to, just to give a quick word to our dads and also to share about this morning, God, God our Father. Uh, my experience as a father is, is so mixed. Um, I can tell you tons and tons of just such beautiful experiences of being a father. Um, you know, I, I could spend hours and hours just giving you such beautiful experiences as a father. But, but there have been days and moments where I, where I felt like a complete failure as well. Um, and that's, that's a very normal uh, experience as, as fathers, you know, where you feel like you could have done better or uh, you feel like you've, you're limited in some way or you just need more knowledge or more wisdom. Um, and that's such a normal experience. But, you know, um, you would not swap for the world. It's just such a, it's a beautiful experience. And I know today is a real mix of experience for people. You know, I'm no, you know, I don't want to pretend that today is a real mix of experience for people. For some, it's a very sad day who don't have their fathers. Um, and, and that can be a tremendously sad day for people in that situation. And my heart goes out to you. Um, and uh, I pray that the Lord gives you peace and comfort this day um, as well. Um, I know for some people, it's a beautiful, joyful day, uh, even with lockdown, a beautiful, joyful day to be able to connect with your fathers. And I encourage you to do that in, in, uh, you know, over the phone, uh, just, just connect and tell them you love, your love for them as well too. I know for some, it's, um, it, it, it's, it's an incredible difficult day in the sense that you have to muster up every bit of strength, even just to make the contact, if you are going to make the contact, um, that it's really hard because of different circumstances and experiences, that it can be really, really tough. And, and your conscience says you need to do something and you just got to find every bit of strength in you to do that. And I just pray today that the Lord gives you strength to do whatever he wills uh, for you to do. And for some today, um, for some today, it's, it's like an outreach almost, a bit of a witness uh, to your father. Um, and, and your heart does that because you want to reach out for Christ. And that's a beautiful thing too. But I can encourage you, no matter what the experience is, no matter what the feeling is today, that above all things, you do it in love. That you live this life and you act in a place of love. Um, and, and I pray that when you do that, you can see the fruit that, bear, that is born because of that. Maybe not today but maybe in the days and the months to come that you would see that. This morning, I want to do, do want to speak a little bit about how the Father does reveal himself in such a beautiful way. And you know what? It's a little bit awkward in some ways because um, what I'm going to share with you this morning, you could share that with me. There's nothing going to be profoundly new this morning, I don't think. Um, I'm just going to share a few verses. I'm going to share a few verses with you about our Heavenly Father, verses that you're all probably very familiar with. And it's not going to be tremendously new this morning, but I just pray that what it does, that it encourages you or, or, and maybe reveals a little bit about the Father this morning that draws you closer to him, that when you see more of the Father this morning, the Father in heaven, 
our, our heavenly father who revealed himself in the old testament and the new testament that because as he reveals himself you're drawn to want to be more like him that you're drawn to be in his presence that you're drawn to know the joy of receiving mercy and giving mercy that you're drawn to to know how to imitate him uh, that you're drawn uh, to, to the understanding that he wants to break the power of every sin in your life. That as you, as you sense, as you get, get a deep sense of the Father this morning, just through a few verses that I want to I share with you, that this, this understanding draws you closer and closer um, to the wonderful, powerful, caring, loving arms of the Father in heaven. I pray that's your experience, uh, experience this morning. But, but just a word. Just a word to our fathers that are with us this morning, and the word um, and the word to our our fathers this morning is 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 a very simple word. It's a very simple phrase, and it's this: learn how to make mud pies. There you go, fathers. If you're listening to me today, that's my advice to you. That's my counsel to you as a father to a father. Learn how to make mud pies. Why? Because when you learn how to make mud pies, you, be, you begin to understand the beauty and the simplicity and the truth of what it means to be a father. You actually understand that every act and deed that you do with your child, when it's led of the spirit, is a beautiful act, even doing mud pies. That you begin to wash away in our minds this mentality that there are things that are significant and there are things that, that are insignificant. Because all that you do is significant. Go and learn how to make a mud pie with your child. When you make a mud pie with your child, you have a beautiful opportunity to spend time with them that nothing else matters. You spend time with your child in a way that relates to them, their interest, and it's not about you. You do it in such a way that everything else becomes like uh, vague and you can start to just focus on what you're doing with them talking to them about what's before them and what's ahead of them. Win their heart. And as you win their heart, guide them in the truth. Go and learn mud pies. And the beautiful thing about mud pies is this, you can't have your phone with you because you're not going to touch your phone when you make a mud pie. Go in simplicity, bond with them in a way that relates to them, win their hearts, speak truth into their life and guide them in the truths of life. Just enjoy the simplicity and be led of the Spirit of God. Be strong. Be compassionate. Imitate the Father. Be an example of his love and instruct them in the ways of truth. Listen to this scripture. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. There you go. And fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. As you give them full concentration, they are not a inconvenience. Love them dearly. Is there ever a time that a fa your, the father's patience ever ends? And is there ever a time that the father, a father, ever stops believing? for their children, that a father ever stops believing for their children on behalf of their children. And I want to encourage you, fathers, this morning to continue to believe on behalf of your children. Continue to lift them up to the Lord 
and continue to be with them in a place and a time they can most relate to. I want to pray this morning for our fathers. And I want to share with you some scriptures about our wonderful Heavenly Father. Let's pray uh, for all our dads um, this morning. Loving Father, I want to thank you, Lord God, for what we have today. I want to thank you, Lord God, for your love and your mercy. I want to thank you, Lord God, for what you give us. That you are so full of grace and so full of mercy. I thank you, Lord, for our fathers that are with us this morning. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would... um, equip them, you would empower them, that your love would be poured out on them through the many joys of their experience and through the difficult times of their experiences. I pray, Lord God, that you would encourage them and help them to always believe in one thing, that you are God, that you are Lord, and that you are sovereign. Carry them, Lord God, as they carry their children. Carry them, Lord God, as they carry their families. Carry them, Father, in your truth and in your ways and in your grace and grant them all that they need to be what they have to be. And Father, may they continue to know of your love for them and your promises to them as well. Guard them, Lord, and protect them from the enemy. Watch over them, Father God, and give them uh, peace and mercy and grace. We thank you, Lord, for them. And we thank you for their families. And we thank you for all the children this morning and everything they shared with us as well. We pray these things and your word this morning as well, that your blessing be upon us. In all that is said and done, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, let's turn our Bibles to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter, chapter 64. Uh, we're just going to read one verse uh, from this passage, from this, from this chapter, Isaiah chapter 64. And um, there are a few verses that I'd like to read out to you, but this is, this is the only one I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to turn to. And um, in Isaiah, there's this kind of, every now and again in the Old Testament, you probably realise as you're reading the Old Testament, uh, every now and again there's these verses that just pop out and you think to yourself, oh boy, where did that come from? <laughs> you know, that's a beautiful verse in the Bible. And, 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 and if you've been reading the Bible for, for many, many years, so every now and again you forget you forget these little verses that pop out and you think to yourself, oh, wow, look at that. And it's a beautiful little reminder uh, of, of um, um, those very things that God wants to speak and share and the way God reveals himself in the Bible. It's just incredible how these little gems throughout the Bible, how God wants to continue to, um, continue to reveal himself. And this is a passage where God is, there's a lot of things going on here. There's a bit about God's power going on here. There's a bit about the people's rebellion and disobedience going on here. There's, there's different things going on here, what God is able to do uh, in, this, in this chapter as well. So there's, there's a mix of things going on in this chapter. But this, in the midst of this chapter, this is one verse that describes God, the Father. This is one verse. And um, it says this. It says, but now, O Lord, verse 8, chapter 64, verse 8. It says, but now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you our potter. And all we are the work of your hands. Now, just begin to process this for a moment. In the midst of all that is going on in this chapter, the Bible says this, God, you're our father. And we well, we're this thing that you created and that you're moulding and you're making into something. We are the work of your hand. 
And you're only limited, Lord, by your truth and by your imagination. God, you're, you're going to do what you need to do. The very creation that you, the very, very way you created us was a profound, profound demonstration of your power. The very, very way you made men, made women, gave breath to them, put them on this earth, gave them a plan and a purpose and then sent your son to die for them. All this is already beyond our imagination. But God, you did this. And you continue to do this. You continue to do what you've got to do as a father because you know the need of your children. God the Father isn't just the Father because he wants to give himself a nice title. God the Father describes himself as a father because he wants his children to understand something about him. Otherwise, he could use anything. He could use anything about himself. But he chooses to use specific words and phrases and concepts so we, his children, can understand something about him. And as he reveals himself to us, we are drawn to him. We are drawn to his love. We are drawn to a place of trust. We are drawn to a place of rest. We are, we are drawn to a place of mercy to receive it and to give it. We are drawn so close to him that sin feels like a distance from us because we are drawn so close to him. That, that the smell of sin disgusts us because we are drawn so close into his arms and into, into the, the care of a father. And as the Father reveals this to us, it brings about an incredible change in our heart that wants him above anything else. And if you can capture that this morning, then thank be to God. And he describes himself here as this beautiful Father who uh, wants only to do good. And we'll come back to that verse. We'll come back to that verse um, in, a, in a moment. Because the real question here is, what is your idea of this Father in heaven? What's, this, what's your perception of this, this Father, your Father in heaven? Remember Jesus when he was speaking to his disciples and they, he asked them that famous question, who do men say that I am? And they gave him different people that they said that Jesus is. And then what Jesus was particularly interested in is about them. And he's like, okay, that's what people are saying, but who do you say that I am? Because that's what Jesus was particularly interested. Okay, this is what people are saying, but who do you say that I am? And this morning, my brothers and sisters, I want to I say the same thing. Who, who is the world saying God the Father is? And, and you can think of a whole stack of things that the world is saying about God the Father. But my interest, my interest this morning, my heart this morning is the question to you, but who do you say God the Father is? How do you see him? Through which lens do you interpret him? Do you interpret him through the lens of the culture of the day? Is God some kind of God who's so loose in his boundaries that he's kind of all accepting and tolerant so that anything kind of goes with God? Because that's not the God of the Bible. Or do you interpret God through your own personal experiences where all of a sudden God seems like this disinterested being who's only concerned if you do something wrong? Or he's so harsh and he's just looking for the opportunity to find something wrong in you so he can wave his finger at you? Are you interpreting God through the lens of the world and its views and the culture of today or your own personal experiences? Or are you going to be brave enough to interpret the Father in heaven through the only source we can, and that is the Word of God? Are you going to be brave enough to put aside your own experiences and say, okay, Father, God of the Bible, who do you say you are? 
And if you can do that this morning with me for a few moments, for a few minutes, if you can just do that this morning and start to put aside your own experiences and, and, and begin to see God through the lens of the scripture, that I believe you will be blessed. You'll be blessed indeed, because what you will see is you will see a father full of grace and truth. A father that is full, not half full, not a quarter, but full of grace and full of truth. In fact, it is so significant. I believe it is so significant that it is why Jesus decided to make it the first line in the prayer of our Father. It's, why, it's, it's so significant that Jesus decided for it to be the first line because he could have said anything in that first line, but he rather, when he taught his disciples to pray, he said, pray like this, our Father who is in heaven. He could have told them to pray anything. He could have told them, you know, pray this, our Lord who is in heaven, our Redeemer who is in heaven, our Saviour who is in heaven, our good God who is in heaven. He could have told them to pray many, many things, but he didn't. He specifically chose for them to connect to their God in a way of, of endearment or in a way that is of affection. And he says to them this, when you pray, this is how I want you to pray, our Father who is in heaven. Because there is something very, very significant about this. And when we understand it in the correct sense of the word, it brings our hearts and draws our hearts so close to him that we want nothing else in this world that is going to take us away ever so slightly from him. So he says, you know what, this is what I want you to pray. I want you to pray our Father who is in heaven. And we serve a God who is so so compassionate that he, 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 he allows us to do this because he wants to reveal something about himself. And so when we see, look in this verse here that we saw in Isaiah 64 verse 8, he wants to reveal himself as our father who, and, and we the work of his hands. Let me ask you this. Has God begun a work in you? Do you sit here confident that God the Father, the Father, has begun a work in you? And like a faithful potter, what he's doing, he's molding and making according to his perfect will. And every push of the clay, even if it's uncomfortable, and every smoothness of the clay, when it feels comfortable, is all working together to produce the very image of his son. The love of his heart, the love of his life. And what he's doing is molding this in our lives. And so how many of us here believe in our hearts that God the Father has started? Now, listen, if the God the Father has started, does God the Father ever say, enough, I don't want to keep going with this. I'm sick of that. I'm sick of, what, of, of doing this work. Does God the Father ever turn his back on his people and say, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore? If we continue to call out, cry out, plead, fall upon the goodness and the mercy of the Father. I believe he will continue to mould and make what he needs to make in us to the perfect image of his Son. This is the great love of the Father. So let me share with you, let me share with you um, some verses, other verses, uh, to, to understand a little bit about, about the Father in heaven. Because, brothers and sisters, um, it's not hard. It's not hard to follow someone who only wants good for you, is it? If the Father in heaven was um, uh, 
out to hurt us, then yeah, why would we? Yet people still choose their own way. Yet people still choose their sin above God. Yet people want to still hold on to something and God himself. And they're only hurting themselves. But it's not hard to follow God and give everything of your life to God, the Father, when you realize he only wants good for you. Nothing in him desires for anything bad. Those of you that are familiar with the story of Finding Nemo, I don't know if you've watched Finding Nemo before. I've watched Finding Nemo. And I don't certainly want to uh, uh, somehow liken God to a fish. <laughs> but, but, but the idea of Finding Nemo is a beautiful story. Now, you know, for those who, who know Finding Nemo, you know what happens. For those who don't know Finding Nemo, let me just give you a quick reminder or, or let you know a little bit about it. Here's this little clownfish that um, uh, uh, has a, a damaged fin because of some problems that happened while he was in the egg still. And he has this, um, this damaged fin and he can't swim very, very well, but his dad is a very overprotective dad. But one day he wants to break this, this uh, you know, wanting to be free and prove himself and he, he begins to swim off and he gets caught. And the whole movie is his, the broken heart of his father wanting to find his son. And his father... Um, knowing that he has to go through all kinds of dangers, all the fish of the sea, just to get to his son. And eventually the father is prepared to do everything that he needs to do and he goes through all these experiences to eventually right at the end he finds his son and he's reconciled with his son. Because why? Because he loves his son. He loves what he, he cannot, the thought of being separated from him, uh, he cannot fathom. And he will endure whatever he has to endure. And all along, his son is broken. He's broken as well because he's separated from the father. He realizes what he's done. He realizes he shouldn't have done what he did. He realizes that he only wants to be back with his father. But there is a distance between them until the father finds him. And it's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture of what we try and do. And really what the father wants us to do. Brothers and sisters, it's, a, it's an adventure living with the Father. Why would you want to leave him? People think, oh, but I want to experience life. I want to do things my way. I want to go and do the things of this world. And they have no idea. You want adventure? <laughs> you want real adventure? You want to experience what life is meant to be and, 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 and have it like the, the, the greatest adventure you can ever imagine? I'm telling you, follow the Father. You will experience an adventure like no other. But anyone who chooses to live outside the Father is not living an adventure, though they think they are. They're living dangerously. In fact, I think they would li they're living um, in, in a way that is so risky that it actually is going to bring about their own death and destruction. It's not adventure, it's danger. But God the Father has called us and he only wants good for us. And it's easy to follow him when we know all he wants is good for his people. So let me share with you some verses that I know that you're very familiar with, and I'm not going to speak long today. Um, but let me share you some verses as a reminder, as a beautiful reminder of who our Heavenly Father is. I'll give you some words to think about. Firstly, he's strong and compassionate. 
He's strong and compassionate. Listen to these verses. Psalm 68 verse 5, a father of the fatherless, a defender of the widows, is God in his holy habitation. A father of the fatherless. Why does he even say that? To show us something about the strength and the compassion of a father. Remember, you've got to remember something. God could have chosen to describe himself in any way. He could have used all kinds of ways to describe himself, but he chooses to describe himself like this, a father to the fatherless. He goes and, and looks and considers, who doesn't know the beauty and the joy and the presence of a father? Who doesn't know this? I want to be this for them. Who doesn't know the strength, the compassion, the mercy and the forgiveness of the father? Then I want to be this for them. Who is feeling like the deepest hunger and, and, and longing in their heart is to have a father? I want to be this for them. So he calls himself a father to the fatherless, a father to the vulnerable, a father to the weak, a father to someone who longs for the depth of this fellowship and this relationship. And then to help us understand, he says, and I want to be a defender, a defender of the widow. This is the beautiful compassion of the Father and the strength of the Father. And then he says in another verse, Psalm, uh, Psalm 103, verse 13, he says, As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. Because the one who comes before the Lord and says, Lord, all I need is you. All I want is you. I can't do anything other than you. You're God and I'm man. Lord, I need you. Where am I going to go, Lord? You have the words to eternal life. And they come in a place of understanding that he's God. And they come in a place of healthy fear before the Lord. And God says, my heart pities. My heart understands. My heart feels. And I reckon, I believe that one of the reasons why the father can pity so much because he witnessed and experienced his own son having gone through what we go through. And as the father pities, the Bible says, uh, his children. So as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. He's compassionate and he's strong. But what's, what gets in the way for us, for us to understand this? What, what is it that, that blocks our understanding that God is a God full of compassion and, and, and full of strength? What is it? Think for yourself for a moment. What is it that actually gets in the way for you to really believe this? Is it through the lens of your own experience? Is it through something that someone has told you? Is it through something else that has happened? What is it? That, that blocks your heart from seeing God as full of compassion and full of strength. A God who only wants to do good and he comes and he calls you, come unto me, those who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus said, if you've seen, the Father, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so Jesus is a beautiful personification of the Father. It's a beautiful example of who the Father is. And, and so many things that will block the way of understanding. But if we can have a, 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 a deeper insight and an appreciation of the Father being compassionate, imagine how that would transform the way we relate to one another. Imagine the relationships one to another when we realise the depth of God, the Father's compassion and strength toward us. 
I wonder how many times judgment would, would, would flee, how many times it would run away from one another because we understand God the Father is compassionate and strong. If only we saw God for who he is. If only our hearts and minds can comprehend God the Father for who he is. How great our love would abound. Another thing about the Father, so strong and compassionate, Heavenly Father disciplines for our good. This this just blows me away. Could you imagine God the Father disciplining and training and discipling for no other reason but for our good and for his glory? that there is not one little bit of evilness in his heart when he does this. That he's only interested so that we would be partakers of his holiness. That he's only interested that we would become what we are capable of becoming on this earth, like Christ. And so he does this from nothing else but complete grace and truth. The Bible tells us in Proverbs, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. And, and when we understand it, we are less inclined to despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Don't despise it. Don't detest it. Because the Lord loves, he corrects. Because the Lord loves, he disciplines or disciples. Because the Lord loves, he trains his people into his holiness. And everything he does is moved with every little bit of compassion and love in his heart because he sees what we are capable and he, he, it pains him to see us any other way. You ever thought about it like that? That it pains the Father to see us any other way way. Have you ever thought to yourself why God hates sin so much? Why does he hate sin so much? Because it's bad? Because it's naughty? Like, oh, you sin, that's really bad. That's really, that's, that God doesn't like that. Have you ever thought about what God, because God doesn't just like, God doesn't dislike sin. God hates it with a perfect hatred. Ever thought about why he hates it? Because, because he enjoys uh, finding fault in his people? Or have you ever wondered to yourself that the reason why we continue to teach and preach the overcoming of sin in our lives and why God hates sin so much because he sees how much it separates you from him and it pains him to have you separated from him. And when we begin to understand the love of the Father toward us, the smell of sin begins to disgust us. Because he wants to break every sin in our lives. This is the Father's love. So yes, he will discipline sometimes. Yes, he will correct sometimes. Because he has this goal in his heart for us. You know, when we understand his presence, a real deep sense of his presence, I believe, we are, we are turned off sin. When we have a deep sense of the Father's 
presence in our lives, we are turned off from sin. Did you know that? And we go back to the Father. Ever walked into a place or a room and you uh, like a, a foul smell? Well, you want to get out. That's right. Because when the, the smell of sin makes you want to run back to the Father. How great our Father's love. It's no surprise that Paul in Ephesians wrote that you may have strength, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Know his love and then know his fullness. Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3. And then finally this one. He is a gift giver that never changes. James 1.17 says this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. You understand what he's saying here? Think about all the good gifts in your life. Think about the people in your life, what you have in your life, the health in your life. Think about everything that you consider to be good in your life and consider this for a moment. Every good and perfect gift is from above. But the Father intentionally, lovingly, willingly gave these gifts to you. And in him, the Bible says, there is no variation or shadow of turning. He's not going to change. He's not going to decide one day that he doesn't want to give you anymore. That if we're trusting him, we're putting our faith in him, we're giving our lives to him, we're, we're, we're clinging to him, that the Father in heaven is continuing to give the gifts in life that he knows we need. And he does this because he loves us and he will never change. In him there is no variation or shadow of turning. I wonder if we can learn to be thankful for these things now before they are taken away from us. I wonder if we can come to a place of thankfulness now for our Father before we don't have them anymore. How great is the Father's love? I wonder, brothers and sisters, um, when we look at the Father and we consider him, whether we're prepared to follow him from a place that understands his great love for us. I want to ask you a question. Are you prepared to live from a place not to find his favour, but because you have his favour? I want us to just to sit with that for a moment. Are you, are you knowing what you know now a bit more about the Father and just hearing this morning a little bit more about who he is, are you prepared to live life from a place not to find his favour but because you have his favour? It takes faith. It takes faith. That is why the Bible so beautifully gives the privilege for the Christian, for the child of God, to call him Abba, 
father. That word is a word of endearment. It's an affectionate word. It's, some people suggest it's the first words of a baby. You know, when a baby doesn't say daddy, it says dada. You know, because the ability for it not to quite say daddy yet. Some people suggest that that's, that's sort of the sense the word is giving, that we are to call him Abba, Father. Because that's who he is. I want to read some verses before I finish. Listen to these verses. In Hosea, out of all the books in the Bible, listen to what Hosea says. This is God speaking. I taught Ephraim, Ephraim to walk. What a beautiful father. I taught him to walk. Involved, interested, concerned about the first steps of life. Now, of course, he's talking about it in the spiritual sense. But what he's, what he's trying to portray is the beautiful heart of a father. I taught Ephraim to walk. Taking them by my arms. But they did not know that I healed them. Can you imagine the father? He sees his people and he says, how am I going to teach them to walk? Just like a father looks at his son and his daughter and, and they're learning, they're crawling and they, they start to lift themselves up a little bit onto the couch. And, and, and the father gets excited and he wants to teach his son how to walk or his daughter how to walk. He says, I taught my people how to walk. I took them by my arms. I healed them and they didn't even realize. How many times we forget. And, and in fact, this passage is quite a confronting passage in Hosea chapter 11 because God is rebuking his people. And how many times he, 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 we, because of our forgetfulness or because of our hearts and because of our misunderstanding, we, 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 we um, leave the father's care to live dangerously. And all he said along, he said, but I taught you how to walk. I took you by the arms. I healed you. Where do you want to go? Then the father's care. Abba, Father is a beautiful phrase. Jesus prayed it. Remember? The Bible says at the end of his life, he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not I, what I will, but what you will. And in a place of distress, where do children go? And Jesus, in an incredible place of distress, sweating, tears of blood, says, not why, Lord? But he says, Abba, Father. Because he knows the Father's care is greater than, in, than any other. And then the, the Apostle reminds us this in Romans chapter 8. He says, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, because this is what the world does. It gives us a spirit of bondage to fear. We live lives bound and fearful. But he wants to create a stark contrast. He says, you, I, God didn't give you a spirit of bondage like the world does and a fearful spirit like the world does. He says, but you received the spirit of adoption. You have been adopted. You are God's now. He has purchased you with his blood. He says, and now because you have the spirit of, of, um, of adoption, you cry out, Abba, Father. You call him what Jesus was entitled to call him. How great is his love. 
I'll finish with this. There's a story told of a king who was in, the, was in his throne room holding a meeting with his advisors, his noblemen, and the high ministers of state. And suddenly, there was a bang at the door of, of this, this throne room, and all the eyes turned at the door as the door burst open. This young boy runs into the room. And one of the king's royal guardsmen tried to stop the boy and said, hang on. Don't you know you're disturbing the counsel of the king? Listen to the boy's response. He's your king, the boy laughed, but he's my daddy. And the boy bounced into the arms of his father, the king. A child of the king always outranks the noblemen, the advisors, the ministers, and the ambassadors. That is the position we have with God, brothers and sisters, this beautiful access into the throne room of God. And the Father sees us as we bounce into his lap, delightful, delighted at the fact that his son has come or his daughter has come. If we can get to see the sense of the, of the goodness of the Father, if we can, if we can see him for his, his goodness, we learn to trust him. We learn to rest in him. We enjoy his mercy. We give his mercy. We imitate his goodness. We partake of his holiness. Because this is the beauty of the Father who only wants good for his children. Let me pray for us this morning, brothers and sisters. May you go knowing the great love of the Father that will draw you closer and closer to him. And run away from the filth of this world that has nothing good for you other than the presence of your wonderful Father. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for this morning. I thank you for your beautiful word that speaks so much into our lives, Lord, that you are a God who never leaves or forsakes your people. As a father and as a potter, you continue to mould the wonderful work in our lives. Where would we go, Lord God? You have the words of eternal life. And we just thank you so much that your love and your mercy is beyond our understanding. Father, help us to get a glimpse of the breadth and the width and the length and the height of this love and fill us with the fullness of God in everything that we do. We thank you, Lord, for this today. We thank you for your word. We pray that you bless the many fathers who are striving and working and praying and, and doing what they do to be a godly example to their children. Father, bless them with an abundance of grace and truth. Help them, help their families, support them, support their wives, their children. And may you help us all, Lord, to be a lot more clearer in the beautiful love of our Heavenly Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.